Well, good morning once again. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians uh, chapter 5 uh, is where we will uh, be this morning. And so if you have not been with us, I, need to, I do need to jump into the text this morning because I, I got a lot to go through. But uh, we are in a series right now called Presence and Power. Uh, we will uh, finish up this morning uh, where we are studying uh, really the, the person uh, the, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I may mention last week uh, the reasons, our purposes uh, of doing this series. And so I, I want to revisit those real quick. Uh, uh, but the, anyway, so if you, if, you haven't, if you haven't listened to, if, you, if you're not caught up on sermons, it'd be probably very beneficial for you to, to go to our website and, uh, and check out the first two, bring us up to speed. That way we can kind of all know uh, where we are. I think that this would be a series that uh, we will go back to quite often in the, in the, in the future uh, just to think about, and I hope it will really direct the way that we think about the things that we do as a church, understanding that ultimately we can do nothing apart from the Spirit, uh, that we, it is impossible for us to do uh, small groups the way we want to do, outreach the way that we want to do, worship service the ways that we want to do, it's all man, it's all on our own strength apart from the Holy Spirit. And so I'm hoping that it's just a, a launching pad, the way that our thought process is always going to be when it comes to doing things, things here. But anyway, the purposes of the reason why we want to do, we want to do a series uh, uh, through or about the Holy Spirit. If you're taking notes, uh, this is from last week, but number one is so that we would have an awareness of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that ultimately, uh, for many, for many followers of Christ, for many churches, uh, we really we believe in principle that there's a Trinity, but we operate as if there was only two members of the Godhead, uh, and uh, that there's God the Father and there's God the Son. The Holy Spirit, we almost it's almost he he's impersonal. Uh, we oftentimes we don't even refer to him as he, we refer to him as it. Uh, it's an it, it's an impersonal force, it's a, a feeling that we have, and uh, maybe that's because we've seen the, the Holy Spirit uh, to where we're, maybe from where we're from, it's more of a, a stoic, if you will, about the Holy Spirit, like there's not really a lot of emotions, because we've seen the direct opposite of that, where it's just a crazy frenzy abuse of the Holy Spirit, if you will. And so a lot of times we just don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so uh, it was, uh, and we wanted to be, you know, make us aware that the Holy Spirit, he is a he. Uh, he, he he's not just a personal force or, or, or just a kind of force or, or feeling that he, he's a he, has a work that he does, uh, specific things that, the, that, he, uh, that he does. And uh, to, make, to first have an awareness, number two is that we would see our need for the Holy Spirit, that we will understand, that we will believe scripture Then John 15, whenever Jesus says, apart from the Spirit, we can do nothing, that we would understand that we need the Spirit. Uh, to do what God's called us to do. Number three is to increase our dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Not only do we, do we, are we aware of the Holy Spirit and that we see our need, but it would increase our dependence upon the Holy Spirit that whenever we, uh, we, we think about life, we think about definitely in Ephesians 5, we're going to talk about this this morning, but when it comes to loving my wife or you loving your husband or, or raising your kids or, or even going to your job where you have a boss and, and things like that, man, we need the Holy Spirit. 
All right, we need the Holy Spirit for those things. And, and number four is that it would fuel our worship of the triune God and the power of the Holy Spirit. That whenever, whenever we come to worship, and I'm thankful, like when Carrie prayed this morning, that she thanked God for his Holy Spirit. And that, that we become more aware uh, of the Holy Spirit, that we will worship him because uh, he deserves just as much worship as the Father and the Son. And, but this is what I thought about this week. When we're worshiping in the spirit, what is one of the works of the spirit? It's to glorify Jesus, right? And so whenever we're worshiping, ultimately, we're going to be worshiping Christ because that's what the Holy Spirit's going to lead us to do anyway. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But Ephesians chapter 5, this morning we will look at the power of the spirit. Last week we looked at what it means to be indwelled. Uh, by the Spirit, because we believe the Scripture teaches that at the moment of salvation, the believer is sealed with the Holy Spirit. He is he or she is fully indwelled with the Spirit. The Spirit uh, becomes takes residence within us in the new birth. He comes in. He bring he brings us from death to life, and from that we we have faith in Christ. We believe that that's at the moment of salvation that happens. And in the book of Ephesians, uh, Paul starts off the first. Uh, three chapters with you know some of the most beautiful gospel language that we find anywhere in the New Testament, and, and specifically the church. That he talks about how the church wasn't just this secondary thought, that from, but from the beginning the church was always God's plan, and how through the gospel God was going to create for Himself a people. It's just a beautiful picture of that. And then we begin to move into chapter four, and he begins to talk about unity within the body that we're baptized into one spirit by one spirit into one spirit. And they're the, to have unity. Uh, but then, really, from four to six, there's a lot of commands that begin to happen. Uh, and uh, without the verse that we want to read this morning, it would seem a very legalistic, frustrating thing. Uh, let's just read a couple of them. Uh, chapter four, it's not going to come up on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, uh, chapter four, verses uh, one through seven. Uh, like, just. It says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to, to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Like, how impossible is that? How can we, by any means, walk in a manner worthy of, of, of the gospel? How can we do that? And if you keep reading, and, and down in 22, he begins uh, to talk about chapter 4, to put off the old self, and, and to put on the new self, and... Uh, let, let each one of you speak the truth. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit from whom you were sealed by far the day of redemption. And then verse 32, he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. Here's these commands that Paul begins to listen. And it's like, how, what? I can't do that. I, I like my anger. Like, I, I want to go to sleep not talking to somebody. Like, we like those things. Forgive as God's forgiven me. That's, a, that's an impossible thing, almost frustrating thing. Then he begins in chapter 5, and it doesn't get any easier. And he says, be imitators of God. How can we imitate God? But then check out verse, uh, let's go to 15. It says, look, here we go. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best, this is the language that he uses often, even in Romans, make the best of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. It may have been frustrated trying to figure out the will of the Lord, right? So he says, just understand it. Anyway, keep reading verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but check it, check it out. 
but be filled with the Spirit. And I'm thankful for 18B there. Because it seems like, man, here are all these commands. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. But then there's this nugget that says, but be filled with the Spirit. This morning, what I want to talk about is, because he's writing to a church who has been indwelt by the Spirit. But now he's telling them to be filled by it. So what, does, what in the world does that mean? Like, I know for me, like even, I don't know if y'all caught it last week. This is how just familiar language that we use in incorporating or you know, tying together being indwelled and being filled is like last week I was talking about being indwelt by the Spirit, uh, how it's different than being filled by the Spirit. But on my, on my point, I've said, when are we filled by the Spirit? It's just a natural language. That's a confession to you. I'm, I, it's a natural language to equate the two. But I want you to see this morning is that there is a, there's an indwelling, but there's also a filling. And actually the filling isn't quite as complex as we may think it is. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend the next 25, 30 minutes breaking down what it means to be filled with the Spirit the best I can. At the end, I'm going to show you, I didn't need to do all that. I just needed to say this. And so anyway, I'm just going to give you a heads up. So stay with me, but that's what we're going to do because I've got to earn my paycheck at least. And so I've got to preach a sermon. I just can't come up here and say, hey, but anyway, anyway, so. So when we get to chapter 5, Paul begins to really just give this one, like living by the flesh. He just like this, this one side over here. This is what it looks like. And then when we get to verse 18, he just kind of flips it and says, but this is the total opposite of that. This is what it looks like when you walk according to the flesh. And this is what it's going to look like whenever you're filled with the Spirit. And he, the imagery he gives is verse 18. He says, do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled by the Spirit. So there's, there's two extremes there. And this morning, I'm not going to preach on alcohol and things like that, but he, but he says, do not get drunk with wine. And so there's that principle we have to understand. We understand that to be drunk with wine, one loses sense of control over oneself. That alcohol at that moment becomes, when one gets drunk, he is no longer walking or she is no longer walking according to their senses. They are controlled by the substance that they have been partaken of. So there's that, there's that picture he's given. Then on the other side, instead of doing that, be filled with the Spirit. And so both of them have a controlling factor. That's the, the imagery he's trying to give us for one side. He just he gives an example with, it, it could have been anything, but he says, we un, but wine was the, the drunkery because there'd be, if you like, if you read Corinthians and he talk about, he starts talking about speaking in tongues and things like that. A lot of times people would get drunk and then they would, be, do what drunk people do and start speaking gibberish. And they would say, no, I'm speaking in a, the language from God. And so anyway, it was associated with this thing. He said, so instead of doing that, be filled with the spirit. I read this quote from J.D. Greer this week, and it says, alcohol changes a person's perception by deadening him to reality. The spirit changes a person's perception by awaking him to a reality. When we are filled with the Spirit, we are not numb to the pains of the world, but our eyes are open to God's beauty and His power. So there's that, that comparison that Paul is giving here. Now, let's continue on. First of all, he says, so he says, be, be filled. Be filled with the Spirit. So we see that there's a command. He gives a command to followers of Jesus, those who are already in joy. He gives them a, a command to be filled. And so... Uh, the Holy Spirit, and I will, I will recap for a moment. The Holy Spirit now 
dwells within all believers, not just the special someones. When we see in the Old Testament when the Spirit would come upon somebody, it was for special purposes. But now we understand because, A, the, the promise of Jesus in John 15, 16, 17, that the Spirit would come and be with you and be in you, that, that the Spirit is the fulfillment of, of Jesus' promises. That, but we understand now that within all believers dwells permanently the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, is no longer just alongside his children, but he's rather he's in them. And it is the residence of the Holy Spirit in believers that makes possible the fulfillment of Jesus' promises to his people. As we looked at last week, he is our divine pledge, our security. He, He guarantees salvation. He empowers works. He convicts. He guides. He glorifies. He sanctifies. We know that, I didn't talk about this last week, but one of the works, he's the giver of gifts, which leads to unity within the body and edification of the saints. We understand that we are indwelt, so what does it mean to be filled and what is the outcome? If you look through the book of Acts, there were many times, starting with Pentecost, that the Spirit came upon the apostles and the disciples. I'll just read in Acts 2. Uh, it says, and they, this is Pentecost. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Chapter 4, this is whenever per- Stephen hasn't been persecuted yet, but this is when Peter and John heal a lame man, and they were told, you can't speak in Jesus' name anymore. And instead of running around everywhere trying to complain about the problems, what the body did is they gathered together and they began to pray. And wouldn't wouldn't it be a little different if we operated that same way, that instead of just going crazy and freaking out, that the body just, no, we need to come together and we need to pray. And so that's what happened. They they met together and they they began to pray. And it says that when they prayed, the the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is the same disciples who, in John chapter 20, Jesus breathed and they were indwelled to the Spirit, uh, by the Spirit. This is the same disciples, now apostles, and two that the Spirit came upon. But now again, chapter 4, the Spirit has come upon them. Again, they were filled. You can see it in Acts chapter 7 with Stephen. When he's being stoned, it says, but he being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of the God. The work of the Holy Spirit in us and on our behalf. Uh, Actually, let me preface this. Follow with me with the things I'm about to say. Don't cut me off and say, he's a heretic. You got to follow with me. We're going somewhere with this, okay? The work of the Holy Spirit in us and on our behalf can only be, or can be appropriated only as he fills us. What we're talking about this morning, filling us. Every Christian is indwelled by the Holy Spirit and has the potential of receiving all the fulfillments of all Christ's promises to those who belong to him, but no Christian will have those promises fulfilled who is not under the control of the Holy Spirit. As children of God, we have a just claim to all of Christ's promises the moment we believe in him. But we cannot have their fulfillment until we allow his spirit to fill and control us. Let me say it like this. Until we begin to understand what it means to be filled by the spirit or directed by the Holy Spirit, we will never know the bliss of the assurance that we actually have. So what I mean by that is, At the moment of salvation, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We have a guarantee for heaven. But it's not until that we learn to walk by the Spirit that we actually experience the bliss that we actually have, assurance of heaven. 
the joy of effective work. We, we can begin to experience the joy of the, the work of the Lord, we, uh, of having our prayers answered constantly, of, of indulging in the fullness of God's own love and joy and peace within us. Listen to me. As a child of God, the moment you're indwelled, you, you have fully received the love of God and the peace of God and all the joy, but it's not until we are walking by the Spirit that we can actually experience those things. So what does it mean to be filled? What does it mean to be filled? If I want to experience, what does it mean to be filled? First of all, let me tell you what it is not. Before we say what does it mean, what it actually means to be filled by the Spirit or with the Spirit, let me tell you what it's not. Number one, it's not a dramatic experience of suddenly being energized or spiritualized into a permanent state of advanced spirituality. It's not just this frenzy that something happens and all of a sudden I I get the buzz or I I get uh, the zap, like God zaps me and all of a sudden I'm like, ah, I'm ready to go. It's it's not just this crazy emotional experience, but at the same time, number two, it's not this stoic thing either. It's not that I just walk around like, all right, I'm doing God's work and really I'm not doing it by the Holy Spirit's power, I'm just doing it on my own strength and I'm just hoping that that God approves me. The the filling of the spirits isn't just this crazy. Now, there are times whenever whenever we are more in tune with things and we have these moments, but the, the filling every day of the spirit isn't that I wake up and all of a sudden it's like God zaps me but listen to me, South Mississippian. It's also not walking around like you're the chosen frozen that you have no joy and no experience and happiness in your life. It's not that either. It's neither one of those. Number three, it is not the same as possessing or being indwelled by the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 tells us, You, however, are not in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit. In fact, the Spirit of God, what? Dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. In John chapter 7, we read, Whoever believes in me, as this is Jesus' words, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow the rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit whom those uh, who believed in him were to receive, as for as yet the Spirit had not been given. A person who does not, listen to me, a person who does not have the Holy Spirit does not have Christ, according to Romans chapter 8. But here's the good news. Even the most immature of believers has the same amount of Holy Spirit in them as the most mature does. The most immature believer has just as much Holy Spirit within them as the most seasoned saint, as Paul First Corinthians 12, 13, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves and free. We were all made to drink of one spirit. So being filled by the spirit is not the same as possessing or being a dwell. That happens at salvation. Number four, being filled by the spirit of will to spirit, it does not describe a process of progressively receiving him by degrees or doses. No, scripture teaches that we possess him in his fullness. God doesn't parcel out the Holy Spirit. He give, in, in John chapter three, it says, for whom God has sent utters the words of God, and he gives the spirit without measure. 
So the moment of salvation, we have him in the fullness. We don't progressively receive more of him as we go. Number five, it's not the same as the baptism of the Spirit because that has already happened in salvation. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, I read this a while ago. For in one spirit we were all baptized, that's past tense, into one body, just as Jews and Greeks and slaves are free, we we're all made to drink of one spirit. Being baptized into the spirit, it happens at salvation. In Corinthians, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. Let me read to you what he says in chapter 6. He tells this in chapter 6, verse 18. He says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual or moral person sins against his own body. Verse 19, check out the connection here. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within, within you from, uh, sorry, from whom you have from God? Listen to me. Paul didn't tell the Corinthians uh, he didn't accuse them of sinning or being immature and sinful because they did not have the Holy Spirit. You follow me? He reminded them that they did have the Holy Spirit. They weren't sinning, and the church of Corinth wasn't sinning because there was an absence of the Spirit's presence, but in spite of the Spirit's presence. So even when a Christian sins, he is still indwelled by the Spirit, and that, I guess, ultimately makes the sin even worse. Number six, the filling of the Spirit is not the same as being sealed or secured by Him. Nowhere in the New Testament are believers commanded to be indwelled, to be baptized, or be sealed by the Spirit. We only have a command to be filled by Him. And I, I didn't give this to Bo, but I thought about this while I go. The Spirit's work is personal, but we cannot individualize His work. And what I mean by that, this is where we start messing up the Holy Spirit, is because I say, uh, you first statement is over, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit showed me this, and it did this work in my life. Well, He's not going to act for you differently than he does another believer. He, do, he, do, he doesn't work on an individual basis as in it, what's written in the word is how God acts and, and demonstrates and works within his believers. He, he doesn't work as, oh, well, you know, he's gonna work this way with this one person and be something completely different over here. The Holy Spirit is who the Holy Spirit is. And what he's revealed in scripture is how he works in a believer's life. Anyway, let's keep going. So that's what it's not. So what does it mean to be filled? And again, Ephesians chapter 5, 18, he says, but be filled with the Spirit. I'm no uh, Greek expert, but I have Luke here now so I can ask him questions. Uh, by the way, Luke is at Centerville, uh, so let's uh, keep praying for him as he, he's preaching there again this morning. He'll be back with us next week. Uh, but to be filled literally means in the Greek to be being kept filled. To be filled, but when he says to be filled by the Spirit, it legitimately means be being kept filled. It's in the present passive imperative, and I'll, I'll break that down unless the tense that this, this, this word, this being filled is. It's a command that includes the idea of conscious continuation. And so when Paul says, instead of getting drunk, what you should do is be, be, be being kept filled. Like every day of your life, be being kept filled. 
Be being kept filled. I'm going to talk about what filled means in a minute, but the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit is each is a continuous, conscious, everyday effort where we are constantly, every day, be being kept filled. It's not an option. It's a mandate. Here's why. No Christian can fulfill God's will apart from being filled with his spirit. And if we do not obey the command of being filled by the Spirit, then it is impossible for us to fulfill the other ones with it. Follow me. If, if we can do nothing apart from the Spirit, then the most practical command for us to follow is to what? Be filled by the Spirit. Outside of the command to trust Christ for salvation, this is the most practical and necessary command. We, see, we can see it just in the, the disciples or when they become apostles. Right before Jesus' ascension, he tells, the, tells them in Acts chapter 1, it says, while they were staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you had heard from me, speaking of the Holy Spirit. And so in Matthew 20, at the end of his ministry, he says, all right, I'm commissioning you out. You go, go to all nations, Teaching, you know, preaching the gospel. But then he says, but before you do, I need you to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. And then it says in Acts 1a, but when you receive the power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria. Even Jesus taught his disciples here, listen to me, the work that I've got for you, it's impossible for you to do about, without my help, without the power of the Spirit coming upon you. The command to be being kept filled or being filled with the Spirit reminds us huh, that we are called, that, that believers are called to be subject to a divine authority, that we're called to obedience, and that's the most basic element of a Christian living. We don't want to talk about we're called to obedience anymore. We're called to actually follow Jesus because our day and age, what we like to do is label anything that's I don't even want anything that gets in my way or anything that's inconvenient. We're just going to slap legalism to it. No, don't, don't, I can't, you don't tell me I can't do that no more or I should do that and quit being legalistic. No, I'm calling you to be a Christian. I'm, I'm calling you to, to follow Jesus. Uh, the mark, uh, the, one of the, the entry level into following Jesus is to deny yourselves and take up your cross and follow him, right? And, and so just to, the command to be, to be filled with the Spirit reminds us that a part of the most ele basic element of Christian living is that I have a Lord and I'm called to follow him. Submission to the will of God, to Christ's Lordship, and to the guiding of the Spirit is an essential part of saving faith. A new untaught believer will understand little of all the full implications of such obedience. But the spiritual orientation of his new nature in Christ will bring the desire for submission to God's word and God's spirit. A person who does not have that desire has no legitimate claim on salvation. That's from John MacArthur. To resist the command to be filled by the spirit is disobedience. sin. Every time you and I resist the Holy Spirit, it's sin. We grieve him. 
Every time that we're convicted, every time he, he convicts us of sin, every time he, he not only bad things, whenever he, he calls us to, to go and share the good news, to do right, and we choose not to, that's sin against the third person of the Trinity. Although every Christian is indwelled, baptized, and sealed by the Spirit, unless he or she is also filled with the Spirit, they cannot live spiritual lives. Their spiritual life will be a weakness, frustration, and defeat. So literally, number one, what does it mean to be filled? It literally means be being kept filled each and every day. So number two, it involves, and check out, we wrote this, a day-by-day, and I even broke it down more than that, moment-by-moment submission to the Spirit's control. Anybody feel me on that? (laughs) Day-to-day, that sounds, I need a moment-by-moment kind of thing. depends on, if what time I'm on 16th Avenue or if the drive through line is too long or I could be having a great day and it takes one text message, that moment, I need him that moment. I've already, you know, prayed to him that morning about the day, but sometimes a moment happens. A moment like this, Kelly Clarkson, right? Uh, anyway, sorry. It's weird. Sometimes preachers are up here and I'm preaching on something and I say a word and my mind starts going a million places. So I just have to say it so I stop thinking about it, Okay. If not, for the rest of the sermon, I'm be literally singing a moment like this and thinking about Kelly Clarkson on stage with the glitter coming down. Uh, anyway, real life, real life. It involves day-by-day, moment-by-moment submission to the Spirit's control. Now, I'll go back to this. And so, be, uh, be filled with the Spirit is a, is a present passive imperative. So, I'm going to break that down for you because I know... 99% of you are not a Greek scholar. I'm not, I'm not in, I'm not either. And so here we go. It's passive. And so be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's passive. It indicates that it's not something that we specifically do, but it's something that we allow to be done to us. And so when Paul says be filled with the Spirit, he's not saying, you know, tighten up your bootstraps and get it together. He says, no, let something happen to you. Be, it's a passive thing. Be, being, being filled, it's passive, not in the sense that, all right, I got to work out harder. I got to read my Bible more. No, it is. It is literally, submit, it is letting something happen to you. Let God do something to you. Let the Holy Spirit do something to you. So it's passive in the sense that it's not something we do, it's something we allow to be done to us. The filling is entirely the work of the Spirit, but He works through our willing. Submission. It's present, so it's present, passive, so it's present, which indicates that we cannot rely on a past feeling or just live in the expectation of a future feeling. Now, we can rejoice in the past whenever the Spirit filled us and He empowered us to, to go do great things. And we can hope that one day He will fill us, but it's present as in today I need to be filled by the Spirit, not just glory in yesterday and hope for tomorrow, but today. I need the Spirit. I need to be filled by the Spirit. The Greek word is plereo, which gives three different imageries, and I want to I share these with you. So what does it mean to be filled? It's a day-to-day, moment-by-moment. It's something that I got to have. It's be being kept filled. It's not just a, a past thing or hope for a future, but it's, it's today. It's a today thing. 
to be filled in, in the original there, it gives more, it's more than just taking a, like a cup. You know, we have that, the psalmist says, my cup overflows. The imagery here in this word isn't just like you're filling a cup. It, it's a greater picture uh, than that. Number one, it's, it's used, it was used often as in the picture of a wind filling a sail. And so think about a sailboat. Like Adam, you, you still got a sailboat over there? No, Adam used to have a sailboat. I think that's how he got a lily because... I mean, anyway, so the sailboat, if I had a anyway, it's the winds filling a sail. And so you take that picture of a wind filling a sail, wherever that wind blows and it billows out that sail, that's where that ship or that boat will go. That's the imagery, the first imagery, this, this Greek word being filled is, it says as, as a wind is filling the sails of a boat. To be filled with the Spirit is to be moved along in life by God himself. It's the same imagery of the, of, the, of the writers of scriptures. They were what? Moved by the Spirit. When the Spirit moved them, they picked up their pen. They didn't have pens. They picked up their writing utensil and began to write. That's that same imagery of being filled as, that you're, you're, as you're going, you're being moved upon and moved by, by the Holy Spirit. The second imagery that it gives, it carries the idea of a permeation. As it was used for salts, permeating meat in order to flavor it and preserve it. So this being filled, it gives a picture of a, a wind and sails. It gives this picture of a, a salt permeating meats. So God wants the Holy Spirit to so permeate the lives of his children that everything we think, say, or do will reflect the very presence that indwells within us. Number three, and I think that this is, obviously those are great, and I think they're all inclusive. I don't think it's, is it one, two, or three? I think it's four, all of the above. I think it's, it's all of these. And, and so number three is this. It gives the connotation of, of total control. To be filled, it gives in a connotation of being total, totally under control of the Holy Spirit. We see this word used not only with the Holy Spirit, we see it in the Gospels whenever uh, one was uh, under, the, under, under the control of his sorrow. Being, and you, we, can, we can relate to this. If, when, when a person is filled with sorrow, they're no longer under, they're under their own control, but they're totally under the control of what? Sorrow. We've been there before. You've seen that before. You've experienced that before. When, when, when you are filled with sorrow and you are overtaken by sorrow, it dictates all of your life. That day, that moment. In Scripture, we see it with fear, anger. We see it with picture with faith. And even with Satan, when uh, we're no longer, someone is no longer under their own control, but the total control of that which dominates him. So in this sense, to be filled is to totally be dominated and controlled. And this is the most important sense for believers. To be filled by the Spirit, to filled with the Spirit, is that we are under the control of the Spirit. He dictates where I go and what I do. He dictates how I raise my family, what I do with my money. He dictates what I do in my free time. He dictates how I treat others. He dictates the conversations I have in a break room. He dictates by my own thoughts. He dictates 
the affections of my heart. He, he dictates where the church goes and, and what the church does. And that's what it means to be filled by the Spirit is that we are completely under his control, that we die to ourselves as Jesus tells us to do in the first place. And we say, Lord, you take control. It is to be under his total domination to control. And this is, listen, go back to the do not be drunk with wine, but be filled by the Spirit. Don't do life like this. Do life like this. You can use the old, I'm sure some of you have seen it, the old glove imagery. Definitely if you were in youth group at all, I'm sure you had a youth pastor sometimes that held a glove up and said, you know, this glove has a purpose. If I was a good preacher, I would have brought it with me. Uh, but I failed preaching class a couple. Anyway, so you have a glove, and this glove is, has a purpose. It was made to dig in the dirt. It was made to pick up wood. It was made this that, and the other, but that glove is what well, useless until it's filled by a hand. And at that moment, the hand controls what the glove does. And I know, listen, I know every illustration breaks down, so just let's stop it there. Uh, and so it's, it, the, the, glove is, the glove is completely useless until it is filled by the hand. Listen to me. We can, we can accomplish just as much as a glove with no hand if we're not filled with the Spirit. So, I promise I'm almost done. What is the means that God uses to fill his people? It's about to be revolutionary. You're probably going to hate me for my answer. Number one is this word. Number one is his word. You know how I know that? Because he's indwelling within me. And one of his main works is he guides me into truth. And it's like, I've never wrote a book, but it'd be like, you know, if I could write a book, if I was smart enough, maybe... We'll try one day and somebody can grammar check me. Uh, but I had this, you know, I was so excited about it. I just, I couldn't wait to share it with Ashley. It was a book that I wrote, but I wanted to share her this truth, this thing that I've read. Listen to me. The Bible tells us about itself. It, is, it was the Holy Spirit that moved among, in, in, in men's lives and in their hearts. And they, they pinned this truth. And now he comes in to dwell and he takes us as, listen, look at this word I've read. Look at this, look at this truth. Look at this reality. Look at this. You can see God here. Listen to me. He, as, as you, you can read about it in, in James, the, the implanted word that, that whenever we get born again, the spirit comes to live with us. And James says he's the implanted word. And what happens with the implanted word, when it hears the written word or the spoken word, it begins to interact. It begins to rejoice. It begins to turn Holy Spirit backflips inside of you because he loves his word. Hey, if we want to be filled with the spirit, it is important. Possible to do so apart from his word. Absolutely impossible. You read through scriptures, you cannot disconnect the Holy Spirit from the revelation of scripture. You, you, can't, you can't separate the two. You can't. Number two, so that's an ordinary means that the Spirit uses. This is what I, I love this about God. I thought I wrote it down in here, maybe I didn't. 
But there's nothing that God commands that he doesn't also provide the way to obey it. Be filled with the Spirit, so therefore I'm going to give you a word to read. And when you read it, the, the Holy Spirit, he's going to enjoy it. And he's going to open your eyes to see Jesus anymore. That He's going to anoint that you can see, that you can feel, that you can enjoy it. And in doing so, he's going to begin to dominate you so much. He's going to be able to feel you so much that, that you'll see and you'll be like, this is so much better than this. Number two. Not only can you not separate the spirit from his word, but you also can't separate the spirit from God's people. What are the means to be filled with the spirit? Number one is the word. Number two is the church. The spirit gives gifts to the body. And the reason why he gives those gifts to the body is so that the body can serve one another and lift up one another and hold up one another Hey, how does, how does the Spirit speak to me today? Through his word and through his people. How many of you have ever been on the receiving end of God speaking to you through somebody in the body? Not in some kind of foreign, but it was like, hey, you're having a bad day or something's going on and somebody steps up, man, I was reading this verse today and I was told, I was told you needed to hear it. The Holy Spirit stirred within me. I needed to share this with you. Or, or you've been... Maybe you've been on recipient or the giver that, man, the Holy Spirit just asked, said, hey, will you pray for this person? And every once in a while, the Holy Spirit would say, will you, will you let that person know you're praying for them? How many times has that person said, man, you don't know how much I needed that today? The means in which the Spirit fills us. Well, the first one's obviously salvation, but, but it's through the Word and through the church. Look how the chapter ends, actually. Go back to chapter 5. Be filled by the Spirit, with the Spirit. Look at, look at the result of that. You begin to address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The, the, the filling of the Spirit always manifests itself in the love for the body. That whenever the spirit is personally working, you know what it, what it is? It takes individuals and makes them one. That's why I have a hard time with this individualistic type Christianity because it's the complete opposite of what the Holy Spirit is actually working to create. He's working to create a people, a unity, a bond, a family, a nation, a, whatever, a holy priesthood. I keep going what scripture says. It's a, it's a oneness. So what do you need to do? You need to engage in his word. You need to be engaged with his people. When you read through the scripture, the purpose, I don't have time to really do this, but the purpose of being filled, if you read through the book of Acts, it always presents itself in zeal and boldness. When they were filled with the Spirit, they, were, they had boldness, they, they were passionate, they were ready to go, and it, it empowered them to be able to walk with God and to walk with each other to fulfill all the one another's that we see through scripture. The impossible one another is made possible by the one who came. So real talk, real quick. All of that, I just said all of that. I was trying to be as passionate as I can so y'all got something out of it. Here's all of that to say this. 
Child of God, you've got the spirit within you. And he's at work. How are you filled by him? Do what he says to do. It's as simple as that. Follow him. When he speaks, submit. That's how we, it's how he says in Galatians 5, to walk by the spirit. Walking by the spirit, we try to picture it as this long you know, obviously it's a journey, but you know what walking by the Spirit is? Moment by moment, day by day, I choose to walk by the Spirit. Because listen to me, if, you are in, if we are in God's Word and we're with God's people, the Spirit is always going to be speaking. Always. Listen to Him. Choose to follow him. The question this morning is not, do you have the spirit? But is how much of you does he have? That's the, that's the question. As a child of God, and I listen to me, I know that's an illustration that I could break down to. I know you when you're born again, you were chosen, you were adopted, you were brought into the family. But practically speaking, what I'm saying right now is, you have all of him. How much of your life does he have control of? Don't get all theological doctrine. I'm like, he has me. I'm adopted to the family. I know that. What I'm saying is, how much of your life does he see in control of? That's the question, child of God. So just man, this Holy Spirit, Father, Jesus sounds weird. I know it does. Apart from the Holy Spirit, it's foreign to me as well. I wouldn't have chose this apart from the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, the Holy Spirit in his wisdom told us, tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that this message is foolish to those who don't know him. As in, if you don't get it, it's Okay. Because before the Holy Spirit came, there was another one who came. His name was Jesus. And Christ came knowing that uh, of your and mine sinful state. He, he's very well aware of that we're selfish people and we like our way above everybody else's way. He knew that we were not quick to forgive, quick to hold a grudge and slow to forgive. We have our own version of our own gospel. But that Jesus came, the very son of God came and he, he lived a, a perfect life. He lived a life on, on your and my behalf. Knowing that you would be completely oblivious to what's going on, that you wouldn't understand. The, the, the disciples that he talked to, they, they, they didn't understand. They spent three years with him and still didn't get it. Why? Because they were sinful and dead in their sin. But he endured and he went to a cross and there he paid the punishment of our doubt, our, our sin, our disbelief, our hardened hearts. And there he absorbed the full wrath of God so that he can take a dummy, I'm not gonna call you a dummy, but a dummy like me and send a spirit to reside in us so he can open up our eyes to the things of God. 
hey, if you want to know more about God, you want to know more about what it means to be a Christian, because of Jesus' finished work on the cross, the empty tomb, the resurrection, the ascension, now the Holy Spirit is here, and he can come live within you, and he can open your eyes to understand those things. But apart from that, you won't understand. You can have all the knowledge in the world without an understanding. Scripture, actually, the Holy Spirit, the wise one, actually says that in his Bible. He says, they're always seeking knowledge but never arriving to understanding. He's the one that guides us in the truth. Will you trust in him this morning? Child of God, will you? Maybe, I, I, hey, we're working with Mr. Tommy. We're going to get these altars done. But I'm going to call you forward this morning. If you feel like, hey, I, I just, I have, I haven't been following. I've been resisting and you need to confess that sin this morning. Hey, I, I'm going to be down here as well, by the way. Maybe you need to do business this morning. This morning we say, hey, Spirit, we want you to lead. Give us the faith to deny ourselves and submit to be being kept filled day by day, moment by moment, morning by morning, mid-morning by mid-morning. Go on. I'm gonna invite you after I pray, the band's gonna come back out. I'm gonna invite you, if you feel led, to, to move forward and publicly display, hey, the Lord is, he's convicting, he's leading me. And I, not just individually, but we as a church, the Spirit makes a people. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit whom you have sent as the fulfillment of the promise. Paul writes in Ephesians that he was the promised one, the, the promised one from the Father and the promised one from the Son that would come and seal us, be our guarantee. Oh God, we thank you for that assurance this morning. Every child of God, immature to the most seasoned, we thank you for that assurance. But God, we want to experience the bliss of that assurance. We want to be able to, to live a life with, with no strings attached, with, with, with a blank check, if you will, because we are living in the, the, the bliss of the assurance that we could come to understand by walking by the Spirit. Oh God, we want to know that no weapon form could prosper against us. We can only know that by walking by the Spirit. That nothing, nothing compares to the surpassing value of knowing Jesus, Lord God. We, we will not be able to fully experience that until we walk by the Spirit. Oh God, I want to walk by the Spirit. I pray this church desires to do so as well. God, if there's anyone in here this morning who does not know you, your spirit today will give them eyes to see a heart to believe and faith to trust in Christ it's his name we pray amen